The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Right now, though, I want to come back to the story about the CAMS system, the Child and Adolescent Mental Health System. So, a report by the Mental Health Commission has highlighted significant. Deficits. You might have heard some of them being talked about during the day. 140 follow-up appointments in one area alone lost over the last number of years in the system. In other words, those children not followed up with over 100 children nationwide on waiting lists for over two years. Dr. Brendan O'Shea is with me. He is a Kildare-based GP, is Assistant Professor in Public Health and Primary Care at Trinity College Dublin. Uh, Brendan, you're welcome to the show. Um, When you have a patient before you, uh, a teenager, for example, and you feel the need to refer them to the CAMS system. I mean, have you, when you make that referral, a a reasonable expectation they will be seen relatively quickly? Like, what is the experience? Well, when you're making a public referral into the CAMS system, you practically never have a reasonable explanation that they're going to be seen quickly. That's just the reality of it um, on the public side. Um, and uh, it, I mean, in general practice, we deal with a wide range of mental health issues uh, arising in children and adolescents. Uh, we deal with a significant proportion of them in the practice, um, and using uh, community services, including uh, a child psychology service within the primary care team. But a definite proportion require the involvement of child psychiatry, and we reluctantly make referrals. Uh, the referral process has been known and flagged as being inordinately difficult for years. So there's nothing surprising in this report in that regard. Mm. Um, It's an extremely long, detailed form. It's frequently returned. And we don't seem to have this problem with other services to anything like the same extent. And then there's a very protracted wait. And these, uh, it has to be remembered, and we have to keep the children, the adolescents, and their families central to all this. These are very, usually very distressing symptoms. Um, So it's... This report is to be welcomed. Uh, there's a lot of detail in it. Uh, we would hope that the detail will get worked up and followed up. But a lot of the detail isn't all that surprising, yeah. um, uh, even though it's profoundly distressing. It, and dis- Profoundly distressing for those children and adolescents, for their parents. It must be deeply frustrating as well for you and your colleagues, Brendan, to be making referrals and thinking to yourself, yeah, this is unlikely to go anywhere. Certainly not in the foreseeable. Well, I'm not going to go on about that, but the answer to that question is, is yes, it is. Um, And and again, we've got to look at the kind of the the overview of it. Um, And arguably, um, some of the worst mental health issues happen in the most deprived contexts. So people who are affluent and who can afford to go privately, they have a different experience of care. They're seen more quickly. They tend to be seen by the same clinician each time. And practically always that clinician is going to be a, a fully qualified consultant. On the public side, there's going to be much longer delay. Uh, there is often a lack of continuity. They tend to be seen by a different junior hospital doctor each time. Mm. So it's quite a different experience. So that also exercises quite a lot of us that it should not, in a country as affluent as ours, it should not be like this yeah. uh, in 2023. And, and I assume, I mean, you know, if, if you have a, a, a physical ailment and, and you're seeing a different junior doctor each time like that is problematic I, I assume it's 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 worse in these situations or potentially worse given the, the sometimes abstract nature of, of the mental health difficulties the children might be going through uh, well you're right about that and again I suppose there's an evolving science around the benefit of continuity um, 
which we kind of know, continuity of care, it's a nice idea, um, but you can translate it into metrics. And really, it's a percentage of times that an individual is likely to see the same doctor for the same problem. And across all services, the better the continuity, the better the outcomes, uh, the lower the complication rate. Um, uh, and that is particularly relevant to uh, matters that are more complicated um, and are likely to be ongoing and chronic issues, as mm-hmm. unfortunately a lot of these children experience. So we're really not happy with it in from the context of the children and their families. And then from a professional point of view, it's this situation again, where the doctors who are most exposed are our junior hospital doctors who are working, in, and it's clearly stated in this report, without adequate supervision and support. Yeah. Um, they're being put into positions of responsibility that they're neither qualified nor experienced for. Um, so this is a very useful report. We really hope that it gets acted on. All right, well, let's uh, go to uh, Mary Butler, Minister of State for Mental Health and Older People. Uh, Minister, you're welcome to the programme. I mean, I, I assume you'd, you'd echo what Brendan says. I mean, this is shocking, but you can't be that surprised by anything in it, can you? Well, the report has been acted on. It has already been acted on, which is very, very welcome. The findings today are very concerning and they raise significant risks and they raise significant deficits. But I am also conscious of the fact that today, as I speak, there are over 20,000 children receiving support from CAMS teams, 73 teams, the length and breadth of the country. Last year, there was over 225,000 appointments. So there are some children um, having a good outcome for CAMS. There are others who don't have um, that same outcome. And I suppose if we take it back to the Maskey report last year, and because of the deficits found in Kerry South CAMS, um, Following on from that, there were several meetings to discuss the Maskey report that I had with the Mental Health Commission. And I asked the Mental Health Commission to expand the remit of their report into CAMS to be cognizant of the Maskey report. And I also funded them to do that. Mm. So I welcome this report today. I have been working with the Mental Health Commission and the HSE since Maskey report last year. And I do think it's very important to acknowledge that since we had a draft of this report, there has been ongoing and extensive engagement between my department, the HEC, and the Commission regarding the findings. The whole purpose of me asking for um, a review and an audit, an independent audit from the HEC, was to provide the data that we didn't have previously. And a lot of that data that we have from the five CHOs, and I know Dr. Affinity will be finishing the other four CHOs, and I will also have the audits from the independent audits from um, the HSE will give us that data to yeah. make the change that needs to happen. Okay, can I can I ask you to take a listen to something, uh, Minister? This is um, a young woman called uh, Megan who uh, was referred by her doctor to the CAM services. Um, I spoke to her some time ago and this is her describing a particularly low moment uh, in her life. If you just take a listen. I was getting really scared and paranoid and everything and the thoughts were getting stronger and I knew that one of the days that I was going to go and um, do it. But um, that when I had asked for help, I didn't get the help that I needed. I was told that everybody who experiences um, these phases will get thoughts of suicide and stuff and I was basically let out the door that night um, not knowing, they didn't know like what I was capable of doing and um it came to after that then when um, my mum and my dad found out because I got um, very strong urges one afternoon and I had gone out for a walk but luckily I had come back 
and I had told my mum and my dad and I got help then again when I went back to my GP and medication was changed. So that was Megan Minister. I spoke to her some time ago. Uh, she was put on a waiting list that was about 18 months long uh, at the time. She was suicidal, as you can hear uh, mm-hmm. in that clip. She, her, the advice was go down to the emergency department if that happens. She was sent home. It was her GP who gave her some medication when she was in acute crisis. That was six years ago. And yeah. I mean, I, I don't doubt your bona fides for a moment, but at the time, ministers and HSE and Department of Health all told us similar things that you're telling us now. You know, we're going to solve this problem. It's still not getting solved. No, and we have a long way to go, Kieran. and I, I'm, I'm glad Megan got the help she needed and, and that she's doing well. So I can only speak, as I suppose, when I came into post two and a half years ago, and the fact that I have managed to increase the mental health budget by 200 million and we have 500 more staff working, 85 in camps. But we have a long way to go. But I suppose the point in relation to this report today, that is very important that people and young young people and um, the parents, um, they know that, you know, there's some really, really um, good work being done in camps. And the report did state that, that camp staff were extremely hard worked extremely hard to provide a good camp service. Oh, absolutely. Many people and their families have had excellent results, but not all. I accept and I acknowledge that. Uh, You know, look, absolutely. And it's important to say that. And the people working in it, and even we talked about the junior doctors and locums who end up seeing people and it's not ideal and continuity care is important, but they're working as hard as they can as well. At the same time, Minister, I mean, maybe this is just... Uh, too cynical, I suspect, I strongly suspect, I would put any amount of money on the line that we'll be talking about this in 12 months and 24 months and 36 months. Well, my plan is that we won't be talking about it in in, in, in 24 months because, as I said, the main reason why I I put in train um, the audit and the review across the HSE and the Mental Health Commission, the Mental Health Commission were carrying out their own um, in relation to CAMF. I asked them to expand it to take in, to be more cognizant of the Maskey report and they agreed to do so. And we will have data that we never had previously. But I do have to say, Kieran, uh, 2020 and 2021, we saw an increase, a 33% increase of referrals to CAMS. Um, the amount of people seen increased by 21% even during COVID. Um, the CAMS teams didn't step down. They continued their work. And I suppose, while you know, 91% of origin referrals are responded to within three days. But I suppose I have put in place um, waiting list initiatives across six of the CHOs who, who have long waiting lists because there's nothing worse than a parent or a young person being told we'll see you in six months or nine months. God, um, e- even, even, three day, even three days, Minister, is mm-hmm. a lifetime for somebody needing emergency mental health intervention. Yes, I accept that. But, um, you know, as I said, uh, they are they are responded to within three days. And I, I will take on board uh, what the doctor said in relation to how difficult it is, um, you know, in, in relation to the paperwork. I suppose I don't have a clinical or a medical background myself. And I, and I have spoken to a consultant psychiatrist in relation to, um, you know, when a child is accepted into CAMS, only 2% of children will need the support of CAMS here in Ireland. But it does vary in the report that in some places, 38%, as low as 38% accepted with referrals as high as 80%. So the multidisciplinary team will make that decision um, together. Okay. And, you know, I, I, it was one of the questions that I did want to ask in relation to that because that's something that parents come to me to say. Um, and it is okay. the multidisciplinary team will determine whether the child needs the support of CAMS or not. 
All right. Well, listen, Minister, appreciate your time. Minister of State for Mental Health and Older People, Mary Butler, before uh, the Minister, we spoke to Dr. Brendan O'Shea uh, as well. Uh, despite the fact that, look, lots of people do, once they're in the system and they see someone, they get great care. It's not universal, that experience either. Here's a texter. My daughter's under the care of CAMS and it's appalling. Unheard, unvalidated, patronised by the psychiatrist. The situation is so severe, we've had to go to London to see a psychiatrist privately. CAMS is a disgrace. Those in charge are ultimately responsible for this shambles. Of course, I want to remind anybody listening who's been impacted uh, by this subject that the Samaritans 24-hour helpline is 116-123. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.